The arrival of Messiah will be like restoration of hope. Now think about that. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are discovering the Bible as we go through the Bible. We've been doing it for 33 years. And in five minutes, we're going to study Isaiah chapter 60. This is a good one today. We're coming up in the last couple of passages of Isaiah. And uh, th this is going to be a good one. So in about five minutes, that's coming up. Right now, Corey is here. Well, today, Mom and I are going to be discussing more in depth these robes of righteousness, the clothing that Isaiah 61 tells us that we desperately need. Right? Well, today, my focus is on Isaiah 61, which has both a short-range prophecy as well as a long-range prophecy. All right, so this is really interesting as we discuss Isaiah because he, we're in the last chapter of Isaiah, and it's really something. So take your Bible guide out, turn to it, and let's discover what God said. Isaiah 60, 1 through 9. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. The multitude of camels shall cover your land, the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together to you. The rams of Nebaioth shall minister to you. They shall ascend with acceptance on my altar, and I will glorify the house of my glory. Who are those who fly like a cloud and like doves to their roosts? Surely the coastlands shall wait for me, and the ships of Tarshish will come first to bring your sons from afar, their silver and their gold with them, to the name of the Lord your God and to the Holy One of Israel, because he has glorified you. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 9. Only two days left in the book of Isaiah before we enter into the book of Jeremiah. It's very interesting. Isaiah 60 to 63, 61, 62, 63, four chapters today. And I believe that Isaiah 60 highlights a promised time of a messianic reign, a reign of Jesus Christ, really, a reign to Israel and the world. Now, while some take this more metaphorically in a metaphoric way, I see it as an event to happen in the future during what has been called the thousand year reign of Christ. 
Looking at chapter 60, we see the joy and gladness that many nations feel as they come under the reign of Messiah. What an amazing time it would be to be alive during the physical reign of Jesus Christ, the actual physical reign. Isaiah 60 verse 5 states it this way, Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. Close quote. There will be no holding back for the kingdom of God. This is a monumentous time for all believers in Christ. Praise the Lord. Now, this is fascinating. I believe that, in fact, we will be rescued by God from the time in the future by something called a catching up. But nevertheless, it's really important. Now, today, the reign of Christ. I'm going to teach this as I believe it, as the actual reign of Jesus Christ. Now, take your Bible guide and turn to me, or turn to chapter 60, if you would, the reading today. And if you don't have a Bible guide, you can call us or write to us, and we'll send you one, or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, click on the page, it'll take you to a donate page. Thank you for your donations. And then it takes you to a page where you can download it exactly like we printed it, uh, and you can have it uh, with that uh, donation. So that is very, very good. Now, I, I would pray, and I want you to pray with me, that we read the Bible so that God speaks to our hearts. Father, help us today. In the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of your precious Holy Spirit, come into our lives. Help us to hear you today and understand the word of God or the Bible. This is what we pray. Move on our hearts and show us your way in Jesus' wonderful name. And we said together, all of us said together, amen. Now, look at this. This is great. It says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and the deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Which brings me to this point. The arrival of Messiah will be like a rescue from hopelessness. <laughs> I want to tell you, look at the world now. That's easy to see. We must pray for as many as possible to come to Christ. That defines our passion. If you are a Christian believer who is called an evangelical, it's not a way to isolate your voting status or a way to isolate who you are. It's, it's simply explaining that you have a passion to see people understand Jesus Christ. That's what evangelical is, speaking out the word. He is alive. Very, very important. And so when God comes, we have to understand Things are going to change. Everything changes. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 4 says this. Here's what it says. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant 
and your heart shall swell with joy because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. The multitudes of camels shall cover your land and the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah. All of those from Sheba shall come. Then they shall bring gold and incense and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together to you. The rams of Neboeth shall minister to you. They shall ascend with acceptance on my altar and I will glorify the house of my glory. Oh my goodness. The glory of God will be radiant in the future. We must remember the prophecies of the future. They are bright. The prophecies of the future are bright. Everybody talks about prophecy and the evil that's going to happen, but wait a minute. Don't stop there. The prophecies are very bright. Jesus Christ, there's, there's going to be no question. Is God alive? That, that, you can see God. He's alive because he's right there. That's how his reign's going to be. Isn't that something? That is absolutely stunning. We need to pay attention to that. All right, let's go on to the next verse, chapter 60, verses 8 and 9. Here's what it says. Who are these who fly like a cloud and like doves to their roost? Surely they, the coastlands shall wait for me. And the ships of Tarshish will come first to bring your sons from afar, their silver and their gold with them. The name of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, because he has glorified you. Now, this is stunning. God will be in Israel, and people will come from all over the earth to worship him in that day. We must stay close to the Lord at all times to do his will. It is important for us to stay close to the Lord at all times to do his will, because he's coming back soon. Let me tell you, things are in place. He's coming back soon. And let's pray today and ask the Lord to keep us right and keep us safe. And if you want to pray and ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, here's how you pray. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Help me, Lord as I follow you, to be right with you. I take you, Jesus, as the Lord of my life, the Lord of my heart. I am now yours in Jesus' name. And if you're a Christian, pray with me this prayer. Father, we ask today that you would ignite our relationship. Help us to stay firm and committed to reading the Bible. Help us to stay firm and committed to following you. Help us to be responsive enough to the Holy Spirit that when we see someone, we'll pray for them. Or when we talk to someone, we'll eventually communicate with them who you are and what you've done for us. Help us to do everything that you have commanded us to do in Matthew 28. Keep us right with you, Lord. And this is what we pray in the name, the strong name of Jesus Christ. And all of us said, Amen. 
Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. Welcome back to the program. Today our reading assignment is Isaiah chapters 60 through 63, and my segment today focused specifically on chapter 61, which contains a very well-known messianic prophecy. As a matter of fact, when Jesus spoke in the synagogue in Nazareth, he read from this very Isaiah passage. But it's also important to understand the original context in which this prophecy was given. Because God here makes a short-range promise to the Jewish exiles at that time, but he also makes a long-range promise regarding the entire world. Take a look. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, the prophet Isaiah proclaims that the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Although the immediate context of this prophecy involved God's promise to release the Jewish people from the bondage of exile, it also looked ahead to the bigger picture, when God would release the entire world from the bondage of sin through a Messiah or a Savior. That this passage is ultimately referring to the Messiah is indisputable, since Isaiah many times identifies this Savior as the one whom the Spirit of the Lord God was upon. And just as God kept his short-range promise by delivering the Jews from exile, he also kept his long-range promise by liberating the entire world from sin, because just over 700 years later, he sent his promised Redeemer, whom he called Jesus, a name that means the Lord is salvation. Significantly, Jesus publicly announced and acknowledged his role at the synagogue in Nazareth by quoting this same Isaiah passage. As Luke 4, 17-21 records, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to Jesus. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus rolled up the scroll, and he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. While Jesus clearly identifies himself as the promised Redeemer of the world whom Isaiah saw, notice that he doesn't finish the passage. As a matter of fact, Jesus stops mid-sentence just before Isaiah mentions God's day of vengeance. Why? Because while the first portion of Isaiah's prophecy was fulfilled through Jesus' first coming, God's judgment of the wicked and his physical kingship over the world is reserved until the second coming, where Jesus will come not as a sacrificial lamb, but rather as a conquering lion. 
So in this passage, God promises coming deliverance to the Jewish exiles at that time, but he also promises deliverance to the entire world from sin and death through the Messiah, Jesus. This was accomplished during his first coming through his perfect life, death, and resurrection. But notice that there's still more of this prophecy remaining to be fulfilled. Jesus indicated this by stopping partway through this prophecy. During his first coming, Jesus proclaimed liberty to the spiritual captives and recovered the sight of the spiritually blind. And he set at liberty those who were spiritually oppressed. And he proclaimed the year of the Lord's favor. But still to be fulfilled is the day of God's vengeance on the wicked and the comforting of the mourners. Now this will be a time when God deals with evil and establishes righteousness and justice on the earth. And Jesus will rule the world as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's interesting because uh, Jesus Christ reads Isaiah 61 mm. in the synagogue at the beginning of his ministry. And then he stops. And there's a comma. Now, we, we, comma is a punctuation mark that means you just stop. You're going to, you know, carry on in a moment. And the idea here is that God stopped, and it's like we're in pause. Mm -hmm. That's so right. Yeah. This is the time in which we live today. We are paused so that God can collect those who respond mm. to Him. Yeah. The Gentiles. That's right. And Paul says in Romans chapter 11, listen, God has not forgotten Israel, but because Israel has turned away from Jesus Christ, God is allowing the Gentiles to come in. And Josephus, not a famous, not a good historian from the Jewish point of view, said that the Christians were essentially the 13th tribe. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. And at some point, the comma's over. And the time changes and things go very different because the next portion of scripture is very interesting. Yes. And that, thank you, Ryan. That is really something. Okay. <clears throat> Corey, go. Okay. So mom and I were talking about Isaiah 61 mm -hmm. and we too automatically, our minds travel to Jesus in Luke 4 when he's handed the Isaiah scroll in the synagogue and he reads from Isaiah 61 and such is fulfilled today, today. In, in, yes. in his life, in his ministry. He's claiming to be the Messiah. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. And it goes on. And then when, when we get down into the last few verses of Isaiah 61, we see something really cool again. I, I, on yesterday's program, we talked about clothing as a symbol and, and, and what that means spiritually for us. And then we, we hit verse 10 and 11 and listen to this. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up, and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Mm. And we were just talking about that 
in reference to what Christ has, has done. done. Exactly. And it's really a, a carry-on conversation from yesterday because we came ahead a couple of chapters and actually read this same portion. We did. But we stopped. We didn't go on to say, for as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all nations. We really wanted to talk about this, this expansion from Old Testament to New Testament. Yes. And how that Christ in the things that he said brought alive the things that we read in the Old Testament. Yes, he 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 fulfilled them and then and then moved them forward, right? Yes. We had talked on yesterday's program about how from the very beginning in Genesis, we see God instituting um clothing. Mm-hmm. You know, he created the world uh purposefully with meaning in things to, to, to point us to deeper truths. And clothing is one of those things where Adam and Eve, they sin and all of a sudden they become aware of their nakedness, of their vulnerability. And they try in, in, in futility yes. to make protective clothing for themselves. They realize that they can't do it, that it's not going to be enough. Mm-hmm. And so God clothes them with animal skin, right? He, he, he does essentially this when you read into it, like theologically, he does this first animal sacrifice right here to give them leather clothing that is more protective. And then all throughout the Old Testament, this concept of clothing and human sinfulness needing atonement yes. is really fleshed out, and especially here in Isaiah, where he talks about, you know, our, our acts of righteousness are like filthy rags, not sufficient. A rag is not sufficient to clothe you, to protect you, right? So it is not by acting and, and doing works of righteousness that is going to atone for our sin. We need God to clothe us in the robes of righteousness. It was always so in the Old Testament. There was always a need for God to come in and give us his righteousness. And then we see that fulfilled in Christ. So God makes the first sacrifice for Adam and Eve's clothing, and he makes the final sacrifice with his own son. And now in the New Testament, we can read things like... um, like uh, here, I, I'm pulling it up on my computer, like in Galatians 3, verse 27, where we can say, for all you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. We were wholly insufficient yeah. and sinful and naked. And now Christ's sacrifice has clothed us with his righteousness. And we can also see uh, in Romans 13, you know, Paul is advocating not to live anymore a sinful lifestyle. And he advocates doing that by this. He he says in um, Romans 13, verse 14, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. So it's this new status that, that we wear. Clothing is... It still is, but even more so in the ancient world, was representative of your status of who you were, right? A king wore kingly robes. A priest wore priestly robes. Mm-hmm. There were different robes were for different, different people, right? And it's similar today, but but not quite as extreme, at least in our society. So when, when God forgives us and clothes us with Christ's righteousness, we now have a new status. We are children of God. We are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. And now we have new responsibilities to live for God. Not that our living for God 
is making us clothing, is making us righteous. It cannot. It cannot. It cannot. It's that now we have Christ's righteousness and now our, our, our new status requires a life change for us to now live for God. And so we have to, we have to accept that clothing. Yes. We have to put that on, you know, because we can wear the filthy rags. We can choose to, to, to wear those filthy rags or we can choose to accept the gift that God has given mm-hmm. through his son. And I think, you know, here, if we go on with that good news of salvation, it says to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. So ashes, when they were mourning, they would throw ashes on themselves. It was a a symbolism. Uh, The oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise Mm -hmm. for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, Mm -hmm. the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And this verse 11, for as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, these are the things that are already planted inside of us. Mm -hmm. That when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ and we say, yes, please come in. I need you to dwell in me. You are a new creation. And, and that seed is planted and it begins to grow and it buds forth. It, 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 and the New Testament talks about the fruits of the Spirit. It here does. We, here we are with that it as well. It utilizes this language of fruitfulness that, that was started in the Old Testament and, and plays itself out in the New Testament. Galatians 5.22, most of us know it well. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and Mm self-control. So these are the things that begin to grow in us. And it's a sure thing. It's It's a sure sure thing. thing. As this seed, you know, as as seed turns into plant in the earth. Mm -hmm. So when we put on Christ as our righteousness and when, when the Holy Spirit indwells us, these things will begin to grow in us and we'll be able to look back and see testimony, see witness, see evidence of God working in our lives. Let's pray for Japan today. Father, we pray for the Japanese people, wonderful people. Help them to know who you are. We pray for the churches there. There are no churches on the properties, but Lord, we pray, or there's not many. We pray, Lord, that they would respond to you and come to you, that you would bring a revival there in this time. Bring a stirring up of your spirit in Jesus' wonderful name. Lord, I, I do pray for the future and we agree together Help us to keep in touch by reading your word.